So value is now created on the consumer side. Welcome to Branding Over Wine, an exclusive podcast by Branding Mag. I'm Martin Shearer, and I'm super excited to be sharing some great conversations with our personal branding and marketing heroes. Today, I'm talking to Dr. Eric Joachim Staler. Eric has published over 100 influential articles and written several best-selling, award-winning books. His latest, The Interaction Field, deals with new developing digital business models. Eric, together with David Acker, has laid the foundation of modern brand architecture. And on top of that, he founded Vivaldi, a global strategy consultancy and marketing firm rolled into one. So welcome, Eric. Always inspiring talk to you. And perhaps just as important, our conversations always make me laugh. And I'm sure this session will also put a smile on the face of our audience today. We're going to talk about how emerging digital business models affect branding, and we're going to learn how John Deere, the tractor company, beats Tesla with regard to innovative business models. So pour yourself a nice glass of wine and let's build brands. <laughs> Welcome, Eric. I'm so happy to have you on the show. You might not know it, but I've actually Welcome. been a fan of yours for, I think, uh, 15, 20 years. Ooh. I remember seeing you for the first time at, the, um, at speaking at Yesa, some national convention in the opening day, and he said, ah, oh, that guy is really impressive. So I <laughs> thought the whole time of a very difficult question that you could not answer. So I make sure that he'll remember me. So, is, uh, so I came up with a question of how complicated values are and the relationship between values and marketing, which is a bit of my specialty. But you still managed to answer it properly. Uh, you probably forgot about that moment, but you said that it really matters if it's a lifestyle-driven brand or a value brand or just mm. a utilitarian brand. Uh, yeah. So, oh, that's a very good memory you have. You have a better one than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but at that time, um, I, I was just a student and you're already on stage. So I thought, you know, I had to impress you. <laughs> that, uh, now I'm no longer on a stage. I'm in podcasts like this one, you know. They, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's they a, pushed me off the stage. Now they. <laughs> well, uh, this stage is bigger and much yeah. more in line with uh, your work about digital branding models and mm -hmm. digital, digital business models in mm -hmm. general. And this yeah. is what I would really like to discuss with you. I read a lot of your work, not all of it, but a lot, especially your latest paper. paper. It was a really long one on the branding. Yeah. The <laughs> so this is, let's say, how, what we'll focus on in this podcast, because I think this okay. is for the readers, the most interesting part. So let's say how branding and marketing works in the digital age. So yes. the impact on digital business models, on business in general, and very specifically on marketing and on branding. Yes. And, um, and what I found fascinating is that you mentioned that uh, within the digital, that let's say companies such as Adidas and Nike are already expecting 50% of their sales uh, yeah. going through the digital channels. Yeah, right now they are at um, Nike over 33% already. Oh, and wow. within another year or so, they're at 50 Oh, super! Yeah. That's real fast. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's 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 been a very it's been planned for for three, four, five years now, and uh, of course until it shows into the into the marketplace. I think that two years ago it sort of like hit like this, uh, and uh, and then the pandemic of course accelerated that uh, that that move. So, and is this only for let's say very 
emotional brands or very um, high value brands such as Nike and Adidas, or is this also more for uh, your mainstream packaged goods firms? Yes, it is. That is the interesting thing. You know, the, like all revolutions, if you look or sort of like major changes, if you think of branding originally, mm. uh, branding went through the same things. In my early days, the early 90s, uh, you know, we worked with Harley Davidson and they defined the personality at the time. There yeah. was sort of a, a workshop I was involved. <laughs> um, and then it was uh, Coca-Cola uh, uh, was talking about it or, and, and Pepsi. I met Roger Enrico, the CEO, uh, who, who created the Pepsi Challenge. And, and, mm. and those were the, the days, and he, we were talking about branding, he and I, about uh, his version of branding and my version of that at the time. And uh, what That's could cool. I say? You know, I learned from him <laughs> in some ways. And, and so it was a CPG side, and then it translated over time into other areas. Today, branding is very life, uh, life in, in B2B markets, you know. So, so that's, that's sort of that evolution. And the same thing with, with uh, these digital business models uh, and, and branding today. Um, uh, they originally started in the technology world, but now are translating also in CPG. So, so it's, it's, they went from technology markets, then they went into, uh, into media, uh, and uh, and then information rich industries and now they they're also sort of like working in 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 the CPG world so it's it's I think it's sort of just uh, how sometimes it starts in one industry and, and and then it goes to other industries these business models they more sort of like started in in more complex industries like healthcare now very big um, uh, technology markets. Uh, there are some early examples in the B2B world, like, um, like Salesforce.com is a good example, perhaps. Uh, automotive is very huge now. Um, and, but it's, it sort of comes, it, now there was a, that's not packaged goods, but it's still consumer goods, if you may be um, the cars, if you will. But now it goes even further to, let's say, um, Ben & Jerry's, uh, Coca-Cola, all of these companies uh, are now sort of figuring out a way to make this work. How fascinating. And you mentioned earlier B2B models. Does that mean that, let's say, uh, to be a young and talented marketeer, do you, would you gravitate more to B2B marketing? Is this where the news is happening, to be a good marketeer and be cutting edge from the beginning? Would you now start your career, not, let's say, with the traditional companies such as Coca-Cola, Unilever and Heineken, but more into the B2B world? Yeah, you know, that's a very interesting thought. I've, I've actually have been ruminating about this very much myself. Uh, you know, it used to be that the best training crowd was CPG. Uh, and uh, I mean, the, the training at Procter & Gamble, the Unilever Software World. But what happens is these companies, um, they have very established supply chains, very much globally optimized supply chains. And there's very little that they, there's a rigidity to that. Um, because because of the of, of how they optimize and and they're pretty stable and versus in the in the other areas uh, the B two B markets there is a lot more take uh, uh, let, a lot a lot more dynamism now so when you go in a in a in a classic CPG um, uh, brand manager position let's say or starting there you you is you getting you're getting in a very much into a almost like a confined very stable environment. And you learn sort of the basics of putting a marketing plan together, brand plan together. 
but and and sort of like to plan out a category or an in a, a, a in which you compete let's say for a brand but there the, the, there is a relative stability to that you know they're, they're very sort of like they are not faced with the same uh, uh, changes in the and, and and what happens is if you go to b2b markets or some some out of the cpg world everything is changing the startup industry startup uh, startup in, it's more mirror sort of the startup industry an entrepreneurial environment and i think that's the reality of today value right now is created in this in this startup world into into this into more dynamic industries rather than the the classic cpg so you learn some fundamentals in the cpg world but that's not how most industry operate today. You know, if you if you're in the car industry, it used to be very stable. But right now, the car industry is changing incredibly uh, through the mergers of various industries and electronics. Apple is coming in from a technology perspective. So there's a uh, Tesla comes in from a I don't know energy perspective, perhaps. You know, uh, uh, Uber comes in in the car industry from a from a services uh, if you, if you will ride sharing perspective and so the whole industry is changing and in the cpg world you still have to have this global massive supply chain so there's a stability so you learn some fundamentals but if you want to train yourself for a future job i think it's probably outside of cpg how fascinating that's interesting to know and i think that uh, the listeners will uh, sit up now to see what this means for them yeah. Also, you, before we go into how different the marketing and branding is in digital business models, can you explain a bit more on, let's say, how you look at digital business models, the categorization? I read somewhere that you have three different kinds of business models you see within the digital framework. Yes. Yeah, I, I try to sort of make a sense out of the, the, the complexities because uh, a digital business model can range from a subscription model these days, uh, which is a digital business model, which we had many years before to, let's say, Tesla as a very complex uh, sort of uh, uh, changing category, industry changing sort of dynamo, if you will. And so I, I look at it in three pieces. Um, one is, and I look at it from a marketing perspective or from a marketer perspective or brand perspective. I look at, there are three models and each of them solves very different needs and wants it's sort of if it's a very simple narrow need uh, that you have what the, the, what companies really do they merely create a digital interface on the top of an existing system and and the example that i like very much because i look at my look at my high, my 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 size <laughs> i love pizza <laughs> and i find it fascinating that there is this ordinary that i know from college a domino's pizza brand that not that has not only it has become the number one pizza sold in america at least Number one, also in the UK. Uh, uh, so he, they, they, they sidelined uh, Pizza Hut. They sidelined Papa Jones here in the US. And the number one sort of gradually growing has been things. Not only that, they also, the stock price, if you had bought that stock back 10 years ago, it has appreciated more than Apple, more than Google, more than Amazon, except for Netflix. Netflix a little bigger. So, so you don't need to be in tech stock if you want to make some money here. 
you could have been in pizza and you eat it as well. <laughs> so, so, so the thing is that, you know, Domino's is a good example because they basically do solve a very simple need. You know, get a pizza, not a fancy pizza, not a lot of variation, not a very expensive one, an average pizza. Get a pizza, good pizza, quality pizza. It used to, it, quality is questionable, but it's a good, 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 good value, if you will. And you get it in a very convenient way. And you remember in the old days, you're not old enough for that, but they used to say, pizza 30 minutes in 30 minutes or it's free. Um, and that was sort of the value proposition. Whatever pizza, you get it in 30 minutes, it's free. And back then in college, for me, there was a deal. You know, as long as, long as I get it fast and free, if, they don't, if they're a minute later, I claim my, my prize. But anyway, so what they have done is they said digital and the, what I call a digital interface, what we need to do is, is we, need to get, we need to figure out the most convenient way to deliver pizza. And, we, and wherever pizza people pizza order, we are going to learn about that. Um, and, and that learning gives us an ability to, to, to um, establish a relationship with people who have pizza. It's over the mobile phone. You know? I, have a, I have a mobile phone right now. If I now say pizza, it opens up an app which is the Domino's app. And if I don't say anything and don't touch anything at all, you know, it's convenient here. So 10 seconds, go run it down 10 seconds. There will be a pizza delivered. In fact, <laughs> I can monitor when the pizza goes in, in there's a, a video, I can monitor when it goes in the oven. I can monitor it when it gets out in the oven, in the box. I can monitor when it goes on the on the on the, uh, the the car or the bicycle here in New York City. I can monitor when the guy stands downstairs in my apartment building, and then and, and I see when the when the pizza arrives and it's going to be delicious. So so you know what's interesting? This company, it's a CPG company in some ways, uh, you know, in some ways at least, of 800 people in Chicago in their headquarters. 400 of them are digital people, analytics, data, technology, that optimize the system of delivery. Think about this for any other CPG companies. 800 people in headquarters, 400 of them are things. So it's a massive shift where they said our lot is, is convenience, that's our brand, um, uh, uh, to consumers, and, and, um, and, and they deliver on it. So, so that's, a, that's a digital interface model. And there are a lot of companies, you know, like D2C is a similar example. Canyon Bike is a German company that is very famous. If you, if you, bike, if you do bikes at the high end, you can get a, if you get $4,000, $5,000 bikes, you can get that bike for $2,000, and there is a configurator online that you can actually configure. This is, a, this is like a high-end configurator, not what car industry have. You can configure your optimal bike depending on your size and height and, and how big your legs are and things like that and your upper torso and things. And they send it to you almost like in an IKEA style directly, D2C directly to consumers. And you can configure it at home just like you uh, connect your, put your IKEA furniture. You get a, a four or $5,000 bike for $2,000 delivered in three weeks. And it's a, it's a huge model. It cuts out the bike shop. So that's a good example of another digital interface to deliver you a, a, a super a high-end bike. It's sort of extremely emotional. It's called, it's called Canyon Bike. If you know Canyon Bike, it's one yeah, of the best I'm, I'm a big fan of mountain biking. So uh, um, I didn't know it was so incredibly digitally configured. I'll have oh, to... it's... 
And you know, like you think about this, you know, like nobody, they, they, they cut out 38% from the, from the bike shops, you know, who talk to you forever and sort of like the bikers there and then they screw together your, your bike and, and, and nobody would believe that just like with Airbnb, nobody would have believed that, that you would live in somebody else's home or something like that. And they have made, they have actually the, the high end bikers, they have made the high end bikers believe that you don't need to talk to the jog at the bike shop anymore and get charged 38, 30, 40% more for your bike. You can actually do it yourself. So, so that, that system is called a, a profiler on, online. It is optimized because of AI, machine learning. You know, so there's a direct interaction, a direct connection and interface that, that becomes the most valuable thing. So from a branding perspective, it's not anymore that I have the functional emotional benefits. The brand is the interactions I have that, that Kenyan bike have directly with bikers like you and me. And, and, and you learn from them, you know, you hear. So you get, you get instant feedback about R&D, the latest ideas. It's marketing research that you get on a, uh, from your from your from your from your customers and also others. So it's a so that's the interface model. That's a simple model. You know, the, talking about bikes. Think of Peloton. Uh, you know, the the um, you may know Peloton, right? Yeah. Stationary bikes at home. I mean, look, John Foley. Um, John Foley is a founder. He spent two years working on the stationary bike, so you don't fall off when when you sort of like do your thing. And and he came up with uh, for two years. He sort of like came up with uh, that the better bike, if you will. It's a high quality bike. It's like an apple of the bike bike business, right? The stationary bike. It wasn't like Nordic crack where you it's kind of wobbling around a bit, you know, here and there. But but when you think about it, what I call this is a second model they use. The bike is still important, but what, what they do is here is is there's a lot more to that. Namely, you know, like if you have a bike down in your basement and you go there every day and, and sweat, you know, in the basement, that's one thing. But, but with, with Peloton, I have actually invited some of my friends from around the world, you know, because, you know, Mark Sachon in Barcelona, for example. Mm, yes. I've been, yes. I, there we go. I've been, I've been in competition with him for the last so many years. <laughs> and, and, and so I said, Mark, why don't you go on the bike? So he goes in the afternoon, six-hour time difference. He goes on the same time on my bike when I go on the bike. And we're actually riding in the same peloton, in the same group against mm -hmm. others. You know, that uh, you could actually ride against us, uh, Martin. And, <laughs> and so, so there's a community aspect of that. You know, my buddies are there with me, even though I'm lonely in the, in, in the basement here of, of, of our apartment building on, on my bike or something, or in my living or bedroom. And, and so, so there's a connectivity there. And it's almost like a, a community of bikers, you know. And, and I also sort of meet other people that bike, you know, there's some annoying people that are faster than me. They're actually <laughs> older than me. So I, I, I figure have to fix that one. And then, you know, the, co the coolest thing, Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not only biking by myself. I have on the other side, I have Cody, uh, Cody Rigsby. Do you know Cody Rigsby? No, no. This is this British guy. He's 28 years old. He's a celebrity on, on Cody Rigsby. He's a, he has millions and millions of followers. He's a, he's a rich man these days. Every day he rides for 30 minutes. British guy, 28 years old, incredibly popular. And he's the instructor that, that sort of like, 
sort of like one of many, many of these. I becomes a Peloton instructor and a celebrity among bikers because he's sort of kind of the fun guy. He goes, he motivates you. He sort of like tells you like, yeah, do that. And he talks about Megan, Megan and, 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 you know, the, the British royalty and the latest news. And, and there's some fun associated with, with biking. You know, it's not just watching a video or something or news. It's so, so, so yeah. So Rigsby, let's say his, his fame, if you want to call it his audience, on the Peloton platform. That's right. So, so on one side, Peloton is a bike. And on the other side, it's what we call a, a platform, an mm -hmm. ecosystem. That's why I call it the second model is a platform ecosystem because it brings together riders on one side, like Mark Sashon and I. Um, and, and on the other side, it brings together people like uh, uh, the, the Rigsby, you know, Cody Rigsby, who, who is actually incredibly fun to be with, you know. It's kind of, he's a biker. He's, a, he's an athlete, he's a, a yoga instructor, he's a, um, but also the news, the entertainment, the fun, it's all like, gifts, makes him a lot more fun than just, uh, you know, uh, being uh, without it. So, so, and there's anybody, you know, you can ride with, uh, against Elon Musk, for example, if you want to, you know, and, or, or if he has some time, I'm sure he has done, he has done SN, SNL, so the Saturday Night Live, he'll do that too, you know, if, uh, for popularity. But anyway, so, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful community that you connect globally. And that's what we call a platform ecosystem. The branding here is very different because, yeah. because you brand on one side, you brand the, the bike. It's a high quality bike. You know, it's a product. Yeah, but yeah. then the, you also have a community branding aspect. You, you need to draw in, uh, build a community features on one side. And on the other side, what is really the brand? Is the brand, is the brand, the bike or is the brand, the, um, the Cody Rigsby experience, you know, the, the various experiences you have. And so I think that's sort of what we call it. That's my second model, the, the platform ecosystem. So we have the interface, we have the platform, and yeah. then we have the, the third one. What's the third one? Yeah. So the third one is what I call an interaction field model. And, and I wrote a book on that last year. Yeah. So I studied that for five years. And yeah. a good example is, is there, there you're getting much, it's a more, it's almost like, It's, an, it's a super platform. So, you know, like some, some consulting firms or age, uh, professors call it a super platform or a platform of platforms. Yeah. So that's where you, where you have a product like, with, like a Peloton and then you have various ecosystems, they come together. Maybe an example is, think of John Deere. It's one of the early yeah, uh, chapters yeah. in the book. Yeah. Yeah. So John Deere is a tractor <clears throat> and it's been always a tractor and a combine and, and tools to do to do the field. But what John Deere now also does is, is they have a what's called My John Deere. That's a platform or an, a, 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 it's, a, it's in the cloud where, where farmers share on his, on, uh, from their farms and the productivity or the, the, the conditions of the soil of their farms. And, and, and the, the tractors have sensors. They also, they leave sensors on the, on the, on the field so that, that on a daily basis, There is a data fed from, from the field of a farmer up to the cloud uh, about the conditions of the soil, the, the, the irrigation, the water that goes to the soil, the health of the plant, and so forth and so forth. Farmers also provide their, 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 their business metrics, you know, how productive the productivity of the farm. So imagine when many farmers do that, and maybe 10,000, hundreds of thousands of farmers do that. Now suddenly... The tractor, the, you know, using the tractor at the right time is really important. In, 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 if you know, you know, when do you 
harvest the day before, they lay it a week later before. So it's sort of like an art to that. But that's there you can increase the productivity of the farm. But imagine if you look at these farms, one farm, and you can optimize based on farms, one farm's data, another farm's data. So farmers, like a community in some ways, they actually look at the data and they learn from each other. Um, and they say like, look, what kind of problem you had there based on those data. They share the data, say like, look, I have the same problem. I'm in, o I'm in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, and, and you are in, in Oklahoma, you know, the weather is coming your way. So, you know, think about this, think about this. The, um, now, what, what John Deere is interesting in is, is that if you think about John Deere, that's a great platform and ecosystem. But what if, what if, and that's what John Deere is doing now, you include also uh, fertilizer companies. They, they put sort of like make sure that the plant is growing. So before, fertilizer companies would just put, you know, as sell as much fertilizers as they could. Now you, you actually say, how much fertilizer do I need? Maybe I need to dose it a lot more. And then fertilizer companies work together with crop companies like Bayer and says, for what kind of crop do I need? What kind of fertilizer to optimize for that kind of farmer in Omaha, Nebraska, or in, in, um, in, in, in Kansas or something like that, the farm? So, so it becomes a system that, that optimizes um, and the, the entire food supply that you and I sort of like expect in the supermarket in some way. So, so it, it's not just optimizing the field of the farm. It optimizes and more several industries at the same time through, through, through data. And, and that's sort of the, what I call it. It's, it creates an interaction field, you know, in some ways. So that's, that solves for many bigger, much bigger problems, you know, like, like um, it, uh, it's for healthy food. It, um, if product, the, the, one of the estimates that I have from one uh, professor is that if, if only American farms would use that system in all the farms, they could increase the productivity, double the productivity of the average farm, which would make every farm in America profitable, which they are not. And number two, which would actually create so much food supply that we could solve world hunger in the, uh, globally. Uh, and, and that's a big issue because we know that, that food supply you know, with a growing population is really a really key issue for us for the next years to come. So, so that, that's so incredibly fascinating. So what yeah. you're suggesting here is that in the interaction field, you not only look at the company and your users, but you actually add other companies and perhaps yeah. uh, uh, of what I read, even competitors to the mix. That's right. So that you give more value to everybody there. That's right. And even if you don't ride a, a John Deere because you can't afford it or you, it's too expensive for you for whatever may, reason may be, you still can benefit from, from, from the experience from other farmers. So, so I think it becomes, a, it becomes a network, a value network in some ways. And for you as a brand, um, you know, you, say, you have to say to yourself, it becomes a different brand challenge. It's not that I am just, you need to still be relevant and you need to be differentiated. But it's not just to be differentiated from competitors. What you need to think about is, is how am I creating value in this network, in this interaction field? Yeah. That's where, where you, and if you, if you can, and, and you as a branding person, it's not about acquiring and competing. Yeah. My truck is better, my, 
my tractor is better than your tractor. Now you need to say, how am I adding value? And if you become part of the value network, you, your acquisition costs are different. Your marketing changes because you're already, you're part of a network and you're, 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 it's not just about marketing and putting brochures out there and communications. It's about it's about actually you know engaging in that in that community in that interaction field. It's a it, it, the branding the branding game is changing fundamentally in this in that world. Well, this is so fascinating. So it is not any more of what let's say how you differentiate yourself versus the competitor, but really from how can I add value to this particular group of people and how do yes. I do that? Yes. So it's almost like. You know, we used to say, uh, we used to say, uh, intersecting in consumers' daily life, or sort of yeah. like becoming part of. And so you say, so how am I becoming? How can how can I be, sort of connect? Almost like in the way uh, Domino's is doing, sort of like the way I get the pizza, whatever way, iPhone, uh, whatever, sort of like optimizing the convenience with which I am becoming part of of some of of a of a, of a value network. So that that sort of like. Um, uh, what it does, and and so so I I find it fascinating because the benefits of that is is it's 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 no long it's changing almost like competitive strategy. It's not about competitive advantage, uh, about being different, about uh, disruption. This idea of disruption, we know, which was popularized by Clayton Christensen, is fundamentally a bad idea, because especially in the pandemic, we should be thinking about way beyond disruption, you know, because it doesn't make, it make sense just to be always disrupting things. But how, it changes the competitive advantage to a collaborative advantage. Participation, collaboration, engagement, sharing of data, sharing the, uh, uh, the fruits instead of hoarding it, you know. If you look at Peloton, if you look at Airbnb, for example, yeah. Airbnb hoards all the data to themselves and becomes a $100 billion company and is in, in search of disruption of Marriott and whatever. Maybe that's not necessarily what, what, what solves the, 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 uh, the problems we have because Airbnb also becomes associated with over-tourism and many, many other problems, as uh, you, you probably read in the notes. So, so yeah. maybe we need to think in this, especially in this post-pandemic world, you know, at, at, at more healthy ways of developing uh, our business. Sharing the value. Yeah. That is um, a, a striking anti-capitalist view from such a hard capitalist. <laughs> yes, I think that uh, it's, I think it's, I think we always try to be good, right? So <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, that it is anti-capitalist. I don't really actually agree. Uh, actually, I, I really love when people uh, stand out and and, and, and make good money and they, and they have sort of a capitalistic tendency. But I think we need to, we need to all, we need to all sort of, I just, I feel like we are in a world where, where the, the development, we have been given a, a new opportunity. Um, and the new opportunity is digital technologies. That means we connect with everything. This morning, I talked to Zinia. Zinia, she is one of the best consultants you, uh, we have at Vivaldi, and uh, we have a lot of really good ones. She's in, in New Delhi. 
uh, and uh, we were discussing something so I, about something that uh, takes place uh, after this call. And 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 I, you know, despite the fact that there's this time difference, I I connect with her seamlessly with the same person I connect here in New York City, and and we, and, and the, so we, we globally we connect. Everybody connects. So the problems, the challenges that India has, uh, and, and is also my challenges. So they are very close in. They are not. They are. They are so we, we all live in this interconnected world. And now with this, and digital technologies uh, has given us this 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 hyper connectivity. And I think in my book, in my book, in the action field book, I write about that we need to take advantage of this gift that we've been given. That that in, in 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 the farming world, I've been studying this. That a farmer in Nebraska can actually um, help a farmer in in the south of India who only operates on the mobile phone has only a mobile phone as as a technology and can sort of like such a, can and the, and the farmer and they can they can uh, enable each other uh, some benefits uh, in farming and and I think I think so so the advantage and what we see now is is. Competition is good. You know? yeah. I think that collaboration is healthier. <laughs> well, competition is good, but collaboration is better. Is better, yeah. I like. Yes. Oh, that's good. Yeah. The, the but, good, um, yeah. But surely, if you have such an interaction field and this network of companies and a network yeah. of companies all working together, sooner or later, one of those networks competes with another network because you need to get critical mass. So there must be some form of competition. And yeah. you work on getting in a, a, a enough user base to as, as to get a, a strong nucleus. Yes, it is true that there is um, there is the, the, we 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 are going down a journey in some ways, um, and and we don't know you know the paths where we are ending up, and there are already. Um, as you read these days in the press, there are already situations where, where if you look at the, the U.S. versus China, for example, both in both cases, the governments have now said enough is enough. We need to stop this. They do it in very different ways. You know, they, the U.S. Do it, does it more through a framework, a le legislative framework, a legal framework, and a regulatory framework. The Chinese has a different system. Them. So they, they, they stop the end group's uh, IPO and say, it's like, you're not going to do an IPO. <laughs> you know, so, so it works a little different. It, it's a lot more effective in China than it is in the US because it's like, okay, you're done. <laughs> you disappear. Very clear. Yeah. Check, 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 check Ma disappears for three months and then he shows up again. <laughs> so, yeah. so in some ways, but in a good way, it's, I think both governments um, uh, have good intentions, and, and I think uh, in both government, and I think we see now that that the um, some of these business models they are so effective, so effective that that they are they can also become so competitive that they are predatory. Yeah. So there are different there are different um, uh, dimensions to this, um, and. Um, I, maybe I should use, uh, maybe mention just China. I use an example from End Group. Um, End Group is an interesting example because Edit, I call it the nucleus. Edit's nucleus, it is almost like PayPal, which is basically a, a payment solution. You know, you can buy online things um, um, and, and nothing else, just payments. Um, and, 
And what AND has done is, is um, AND has, has, um, and has, has said, look, it's not just payments. What, what the problem for Chinese consumers is, is really getting loans. If you are living in China, China don't, doesn't have much credit card, a credit card business. They mm-hmm. never, never had developed a technology infrastructure. Um, so if you don't have a credit card, you don't earn your credits. You know, your, in America, we call it a FICO score. Uh, then many of the businesses, many of the companies, uh, many, we don't have durable tax in these kind of things. So a lot of it is paper and pencil. So there is no record of being a good credit risk and a bad credit risk. So, so uh, uh, the Chinese banks... Uh, the, the large banks, they say, like, we look, we don't deal with small things. We, don't de- we only deal with uh, $1 million and above. Many businesses don't have that big of a business for a million and above loans, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, to get that loan, you know how long it takes, many years. And, and so, so, for many, so much of the economy had no access to, to actually a loan. Uh, which is hard, or consumers had no loan because they don't have a score, a score on a credit card or or some credibility. So what 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 Ant created is using using the payment information, the the data from the payment information. Um, uh, they figured out an algorithm in order to give lo- give loans to to people. In the old days, there was no way you can get a loan. Today, you can get a loan if you are getting stuck somewhere. I tried this actually. Um, you, you, you get stuck somewhere on the street and you, don't, and you need to pay, make payments. Obviously, cash is not there. The only thing it is a mobile phone. Uh, um, if you need $50, it takes you, it's called 321. It takes you a few minutes to apply. And within one second, you get approved for a $50 loan if you run out of money. So, so loans wow. that did not exist before now are actually, you can get them instantly. And, 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 uh, and, the, and what happens is, so the predatory part to your question, Martin, is this. One option is to say, look, now I can compete against the big banks because the big banks, they can't reach this, 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 uh, this below the, the 1 million loans. And we could actually make all of our, we could actually offer these loans and then actually compete with them in the big, at, at the big, uh, at, with big loans. What, what, what Anne did differently in, in their lending practice, they create another ecosystem and says, hey, why don't we work with the big banks and we, and we, we, um, we, we, help, we have them underwrite some of these loans. Um, and, and, so, and so what happens is that there's, not, there's now, all of the major banks are now part of this end group system where they participate uh, and still gets a percentage of the, of the, of the loan amount but it is, it is the underwriting is actually that the managing of the loan is actually done by the banks. So, so every, when you build, when you create that success, and, you know, to your question, when you create that momentum in the nucleus, the interaction, uh, um, and like, like with, with uh, Alipay or with, with PayPal, um, when, then you, have, you need to make a choice. You, I'm, am I going to be predatory in the in the interest of putting out those bad banks, these non-responsive, you know, bureaucratic <laughs> banks that you know whatever, <laughs> or yeah. am I building an, a collaborative ecosystem? And in that case, as an example, uh, and has developed a collaborative ecosystem, and and you know, in some ways, has helped significantly to develop the the economy in China. Um, that's why they are they became so successful. They are now. 
they are now um, the the they are now 300 billion, 200 billion, depending on, on how you estimate it. They are the largest fintech in the world. They are larger than all fintechs together mm-hmm. in the UK in terms of value. If you all add them up, you know, the Monzos of the world and so forth. If you, if you add up all the American fintech companies to co- collectively, they are less worse than and is, is worse. So, so there is incredible value uh, created uh, for, for and and also for those the, for the partners. So it's not, and this is sort of our mindset. It's so difficult, Martin. We always think of um, uh, competition as a zero one thing. What you gain, the other loses, right? A uh, market share. That's sort of how I was trained. At least yeah. I've been teaching that for God's sake, Martin. <laughs> you know? But now in this world, and became the most successful fintech in the world, but also everybody else benefit. In fact, the entire economy is built now on, on, on end group, um, on, on, that, on that system. And of course, uh, they, have, they are sort of an alternative system as well, they are able. So, and in the end, they became uh, so powerful that they need to be regulated. Do I hear yeah. that correctly? That's right. So, so in, the case, in this case, yeah, the, in the, they have become so powerful in the, in the case of uh, uh, Ant, became, or Ant Group, they became so powerful that... Um, by the regulatory standards, they issued so many loans that the government says, wait a moment, the, these loans are not secured like, like, an, or like a bank normally secures those loans. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we, we cannot have a financial disaster here in place. We need to start regulating you so that, so that we don't get into a, a financial crisis uh, if, 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 um, uh, when, when the economy is shifting. So, so for the health of the, of the economy in general, they, they said, look, we, we need to, we, we, you need to make some adjustments and basically build some reserves that, that normally fintech companies don't need to do. A financial, a financial services company needs to do. And so there was a, there's an, there's a, a regulation and they did it a bit of the, in the in a direct way, let's say, <laughs> versus. So, uh, can, can I say that? Let's say yeah. competition is good, cooperation is better, but cooperation right. plus regulation is the best. That's right. That's right. That's right. I think we we all again, and I think we 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 again we are. I, I think that we are given these opportunities in every area. That's sort of so exciting, you know, in healthcare, in financial services, and and it's the, there's um. Uh, sometimes things get too good and then you need to take care of it a bit. And I think that's a good, it's a good evolution. And the, the existing competition laws, the existing legislative regulatory laws here in the United States, for example, they are not sufficient to, to answer this question um, uh, that, that, this new, that this new business model sort of provide. You know? see, so, so the reason, see, here's the thing, which is sort of so different to these models to think about. At least me. I was grow. I grew up in a world where a, a product is produced in a factory, like a BMW, you know, in yeah. Munich. Yeah. Uh, they are amazing R and D. My brother was an was an engineer, you know, electrical engineer. He is sort of like in charge of all the electrics of the car. And ooh, and 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 they are they are really good, good, talented <laughs> engineers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there is a marketing department that, in America at least, they teach the Americans. It's not a car. It's not a premium luxury car. It's the ultimate driving machine. You know, it's <laughs> ultimate. It's yes. ODM. 
And, you know, Americans believe that this is not just a Mercedes, this is not just a Chevrolet, <laughs> this, is, this is the ultimate driving machine. So, and they pay a price premium for that, you know, for that. That used to be, and for which, you know, we, we produce it in a factory, marketing people, branding people come up with sort of a, a emotional benefits and, 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 and consumers are, fall in love with it. And that's, that's used to be the game. But and value was created in the factory, or more or less. But look at this, where where value is created now. Value is created in these new business models, because the more consumers participate on, let's say, and the better the algorithm gets. The more you you, if you only contribute your payments on on uh, uh, let's say uh, a few payments. There's not a lot, but if you, if you do all of your payments on that, then the algorithm can map exactly how good of a, uh, how, how you do your payments, you know, how you pay the, your local groceries, how you pay your monthly rent and so forth and so forth. And the algorithms become better and better. So the more consumers, so it, the, the power shifts from the company, from the factory to the consumer. And the, the more consumers engage in this and participate and, and share their, let's will, their, their transaction, their data, their interactions, the better the algorithm gets. And, 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 and therefore, the value is created. The, more, the better they can issue loans uh, in an unfinancial group. So value is, is, now, is now created on the consumer side. It's often called what's called a network effect. You know, um, and that is the that network effect because there are millions and billions of consumers scales exponentially. It's not linear; it's it's an exponential growth because the more the more anyway. So that's that's that, that's fascinating. Um, before these companies become successful, I read somewhere that I think it was in a McKinsey or a BCG study that. 85% of these models, I think you referenced it somewhere as well, uh, fail because they don't understand marketing and branding. Can you elaborate a bit on that? Yeah. So in my book, I have, I have four, four uh, factors of success factors. The first one is framing. Framing the problem. You know, do you frame it as competition or of collaboration? Are you solving for selling more cars or are you solving for mobility? You know, what is the jobs to be done? What is the customer need and problems you're solving for? You know, it's not about selling more tractors to farmers. It's about, it's about solving, solving productivity of the field. That is giving good food for you and me on the table and for farmers' profitability of the farm. That's a different problem. So framing. Then the second thing is, is designing designing the model, namely the interaction model, the interactions, the value exchanges. Am I getting from the farmers only uh, data once a month or once a year or on a daily basis? There is a, in the farming business, you know, today it rains, tomorrow it, it's sunny. The, you know, the daily data is a lot more valuable than weekly data. So, yeah. so designing the interactions uh, uh, system. And there are many different approaches, very close in, very open systems. So there are books on this and, and, uh, and some of these examples are, I think, critical. So designing. The third one is, 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 is building the model. And that's, uh, there is a technology piece to that. 
Um, and 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 uh, part of the building is making some major brand decisions and marketing decisions. You know, are you are you uh, um, uh, are you developing a collaborative advantage? Are you or are you celebrating only yourself? You know, and things like that. So the, these things you have to think of in advance. Yes, you know, designing this interaction, I suppose, is one of the key elements. Let's say how to get these interactions to get the system off the ground. That's right. That's right. And what happens is. I have found that that the eighty five percent number that you refer to, Martin, that it's it really comes down to you can design a system, but in order to build it, you need to make major decisions on marketing, major decisions on branding. Otherwise, you can't get that velocity, what I call velocity, in the action velocity going. And so, you have to build in advance, not like you know, with let's say packaged goods, you can do it along the way. You know, we'll cross a bridge when we find it. Exactly. Exactly. It's it, that is really the, the key. So so and you know that um, that the fact of the matter is these models have been they are only so recent. You know they are only only now um, only now you have situations where like say John Deere is an example that says we've been always a tractor company. Sort of like now, how do we serve those close to the land, the farmers, in a new way? It's not just with a tractor. What is the value of interactions data? How do we create value to, to help them solve the problem? We, yeah. we always know how to use data in order to sell, to sell more tractors. But I don't think necessarily the more tractors will help, you know, the, the same out, create the same outcomes. And only now we, 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 we have sort of like these, these mergers of where, say, where, where a company says, um, um, you know, how am I, I have a brand, how am I now shifting in this new, in this, uh, this, this new world? How do I benefit? How do I create some, some value? In my book, I look primarily at, those existing companies and says, look, you have a brand, you have a manufacturing plant. How do you evolve into this new world? How do you take advantage of these new opportunities and, and get closer to the customer and, and create a sort of a, and, and a, a value network on in the action field that where everybody benefits? Yeah, I think, I think John Deere is such a good example. I mean, everybody talks about Tesla, it's full of Tesla. They're an amazing company. They're great. Yep. Not enough people talk about John Deere. Yeah. And it, you know, it's uh, indeed, it's uh, Dave in Oklahoma and John in Nebraska that, you know, who it's made for. And this is what I really like. And what I also really like about it is this collaborative sharing effect. It, yes. doesn't, it doesn't have to be winner takes all. It can be yeah. winner as a group. Yes. It's and you know, but I, but to, to your point, Martin, as a group, and you know, it's not just, a buyer and a DAO and a fertilizer company, Zingenta from Switzerland, that collaborator, Yara or something from, from the Nordics uh, in, in Europe. It also is, think of an, if you're, if you're a, a startup company, you're, you're a student, let's say, um, and you want to start a build and you say like, look, I want to do something in a farm. I know something about farming. I want to participate in that. You have one option is, you huddle together in, in your basement or in your apartment with your, with your friends or your, your, your partners and you come up with some ideas. And the other option is you contact, um, you, you become part of the, the, um, the John Deere ecosystem, if you will, that in the action field and says, let, let's work on some real data and let's develop, use some technology, some of our capabilities and build a startup on the basis of 
the farm data that exists, the farm interactions, that and, and collaborate in some form with in, in, in a larger interaction field. I think you're much more effective as, as a startup. You have a bigger chance of becoming successful than if you just sort of like say, let's build something and then let's try to sell it to farmers or something. Let's build something and let's sell it to those in <laughs> yeah. agriculture. It, 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 you're solving a bigger problem there. So we're ending, we're nearing the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Just to sum up, because I think this is really important for our listeners and readers, the four main aspects of building a successful digital model and how branding and marketing works into that. Yeah. So, so to me, again, these are the four things. One is a framing thing. Uh, the, the first part, framing. What is the problem you're solving? And again, to your point, Martin, this is where branding is, is really powerful because am I trying to say, I'm going to sell you the, sell you the ultimate driving machine or am I brand around a larger question of solving for mobility? Or in the case of Tesla, solving for uh, CO2 emission, you know, living in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a more healthy environment. Yeah, yeah and, and that means that you really need to have insights into the values and the lifestyle of your target audience. Because otherwise, how do you brand this? How, what framing do you use? Exactly. And, you know, that's why people like, like you and me who have spent years in, in research, in marketing and in branding, it's really where we come to play because the typical thinking at that, le- at that level on framing is very much at the corporate strategy level, at the competition level, at the, uh, you know, larger stakeholder level. At the, and I think we, the, the, real, the real value is to farmers. It's not to, you know, uh, Kubota or you know the Mahindra Mahindra competing with John Deere. Yeah. Uh, that there is a there is a level of competition there, and 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 that's healthy perhaps as well. But 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 the, to really identify what we are solving for, that's that those are the jobs to be done, the needs, the larger challenges uh, that 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 you can only discover if you do good research, if you're close to the customer. This is where CMOs should spend their time rather than trying to optimize digital marketing, you know, or, or performance marketing. You know, they should, I think this is where the premium comes from. This is where branding, I think, is its best, if not just defining an insight for a campaign, but actually defining, uh, the, 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 defining the needs, the wants, the pain points, the, the enduring consumer challenges that we can solve for. So with these new business models, you can solve for so many more things. Um, and that, that's sort of what I try to describe in the book. But the second piece is, is, is designing, designing the interactions, uh, uh, the, 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 the organization. And to your point, there again comes the branding comes in. Because, you know, think about it. Um, who do you trust your data with? Like, if, like, like who do you try? Like, for example, in, in, in example of Nike, Nike for 15 years has all of my running data, all of my health data. I only have been running on this Nike Plus. Now it's called Nike Run Club and things like that. Sometimes I run in Nike shoes. Sometimes I run in Asics or, or Adidas. There's a, a one I like too, um, or, or Brooks um, as, as well for running. And, and, and so, so, but, but I am engaged in an interaction field with, with Nike. So I trust Nike with my data, my health data, and, and how over the years, uh, 15, 20 years, sort of I have shifted. They also show me 
how I'm failing these days. <laughs> so, 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 so there is a big part of how do you design that? You need to understand the consumer relationship, the strengths of that. Then the third one is the building part, where you say, am I going to build a, a one brand called Airbnb, or am I going to build, like with Ant Group, you have, you, have, you, build, you have at the core, you have Alipay, but you have many other brands that are emerging from this. Um, so it's a, it's a brand architecture and portfolio question. Um, uh, who do you participate in, in that ecosystem in some ways? There's a branding question, you know, because, um, because you're collaborating with other, other major brands, you know, things like that. Um, uh, so it's a, big, it's a big decision. And then, of course, the fourth part. So the, the third part is building and the fourth part is scaling it. And again, this is a big marketing challenge because how do you how do you um, how do you create this network effect so that um, so like when I say when I say hey Martin, I already do I already work with uh, I already run with uh, I already bicycle with Mark Sashon. Why yeah. don't you join Peloton? You know, yeah. you could you, the three of us could do it, yeah. and we could we could beat up uh, Cody Cody Cosby, Kisby, you know, Rixby. <laughs> No, we couldn't beat him up, but he's, he'll be better than all three of us combined. <laughs> so, but so, I think it's so challenges for it, marketing it, and brand. Four terms, so it says framing, designing, building, and scaling. And scaling, yes. And sharing. The, the and sharing. Shielding, yes, because that, when you scale, you know, that, to your point earlier, yeah, you cannot. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll call this way. Framing, designing, building, and sharing. That's much nicer. Oh, good. There we go. That's, I love that. That's a wonderful four-step approach to finish a session with. Thank you, Eric, for joining us today and sharing your insights. And I also want to thank you all for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed our conversation and that you found it insightful. And if so, please share Branding Over Wine with friends and colleagues. And when you have a moment, we'd love to get your reviews or ratings. Hope to have you all listening in on our next podcast and have a great day.